Welcome to the Butts and Seats Podcast, episode number 69. Nice! Yeah, I was I was debating, do we do something sexy for this episode? And I was like, no. let's just this, stick This is not a sexy number, it's a silly number. It's sexual in nature. It's devolved. I'm Nick, alongside Emily. As always. Emily, what is it we do here? <laughs> you sound so low energy, are you good? Ugh, am I part of Raven's flock? Because I'm a sick boy. Oh... Yeah, Nick is a little hoarse today, but as he asked, what it is we do here every week? We take a week-by-week look at the slow but inevitable downfall of WCW through the late 90s. Yeah, we, we, we meant to record this last week, and then I worked until 9.30 p.m., and I went, I don't want to do this, and then I went away for the weekend, and I came back, and now I'm sick. We're really doing well over here. Today we'll be talking about the November 29th, 1999 Monday Nitro. Live from Denver, Colorado, but there are a couple uh, backstage notes we should chat a little bit about. Okay. Uh, this show did a 3.1 to Raw's 6.5. 3.1 really doesn't sound like it was that bad, though. No, but when... For Nitro, not that bad. I mean, it's been holding around there. I don't think it it's was... gotten below a 2 yet. What was on Raw that made it a 6.5? Uh, the wedding of Test oh, and Stephanie McMahon. Oh, God. I've... Yes. Yes. Which... That whole segment has a very different vibe now in 2023. Together. Forever. I forgot we need to incorporate that somehow into our wedding. Oh, yeah, we do. How the hell are we going to do that? I don't know. That can be our walkout music. I was walking out of the chapel. And then Vince comes in just like, hold on a second, pal. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about what's been happening in the world of wrestling in 1999, not in 2023. I was like, what we, do you know that I don't? We don't have enough time to talk about everything going on in 2023. I don't I don't want to talk about what's happening in 2023. There are other podcasts for that. I don't want to think about it. So Tori Wilson is in contract negotiations. She wants $250,000 per year for three years. That's it? Yeah, and I was like, no. Of course they are. Girl. Well, additionally, I think Eddie's getting more heat on this than she is, but... Why? Do you remember last week when Kidman just, like, flipped out about them being seen yeah. together? They were supposed to kiss. Oh, Eddie and Tori were? Yeah. And did Eddie say no? Yeah, I was like, what a I, fucking I'm, gentleman. I'm married, I don't want to. Good, good for him. Just another woman on live TV. Good for him. Uh, relatedly to the filthy animals, Rey Mysterio actually got surgery for his knee, so... Yay! He won't be coming back and making an ass out of me. Good. He will be back before, the you know, the, the show ends, though. Okay. I don't understand why he sticks it out as long as he does. The kid's too good. And I know they're not paying him enough either. Additionally, uh, Billy Kidman and Eddie Guerrero are both a little banged up. Kidman's dealing with a, like a sore neck. Eddie's dealing with, with an elbow injury, which is weird because when he goes to WWF, he immediately injures his elbow. Oh, flash it. But like so in a fluke like accident. Here, just like, yeah. DDP has apparently asked for his release. Oh, shit. He won't get it, but... <laughs> oh, yeah. Once uh, you ask for it, though, like, and you, they say no, what are you going to do? I mean, he's a pretty big fixture of WWE in 2000, so. <sighs> the problem is he's close with Eric Bischoff, and it's like, well, Bischoff's not coming back, so I'm a little screwed here. Fair. But Bischoff does come back. Yes. Okay. I was trying to remember that. And in two notes for this man, not a name we mentioned a lot on this, on this podcast, D'Lo Brown. He reportedly might jump ship. He does not end up jumping ship. From WWF? Yeah, to WCW. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be such a nice, well, warm welcome? Jumping ahead a little bit, he gets in a little bit of hot water. Or, hot water is not the right word. He didn't do anything. 
during an interview, Vince Russo is like, oh, I'd love to have D'Lo. D'Lo's great. It's like, oh, so you're Russo's boy. Oh, And then, okay. so he stops getting a push of any sort. This is also a few months after uh, the incident with him in Draws, where, which resulted in Draws getting paralyzed. Just a fluke. Oh, shit. Match accident. And I mentioned that because, you know, sometimes in the wrestling industry, the two companies like are like going out of the same airport or guys are traveling, doing yeah. whatever. Dylan Brown ran into Arn Anderson and one of the backstage producers who we've seen once before named Mike Graham. Okay. You've only seen him a couple times. I think the most recent time I can remember is he appeared at the WrestleMania 24 Hall of Fame. It was like inducting his dad. Oh, vaguely. Okay. Yes. Uh, I've also mentioned him. He's the never drew a dime guy when talking about Jeff Jarrett. (laughs) Okay. But in something that will come up very importantly later, Mike Graham has a tendency to escalate a more casual situation. Oh, good. Dilo Brown saw him and Arn in the airport. They were having a chat. Dilo made a joke about something like, oh, you got old guys will do anything for a paycheck. And Mike Graham's like, yeah, but we don't fucking paralyze people. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, like, they almost got into a fight. and it's Unnecessary. Like, yeah, very much so. Uncalled for. All right. So let's hope Mike Graham doesn't do or say anything that would really deeply impact WCW. I'm sure that doesn't happen. That's called foreshadowing. <laughs> oh, God. So, Emily, you want to get into this episode? I suppose we have to, because that is what we do here. Yeah, it's definitely a weird one, and, and it's, we're a little more removed, so it might be us kind of going, oh yeah, this. No, we did rewatch, we did like skim through it before we recorded this, but it, this is a little bit further out from when we initially watched it, so. We start with a in-memory-of-graphic of Hiro Masuda. We didn't have a lot of context for him until we looked into him. He is like a major figure in Japan, and has trained a lot of people in WCW right now. Like, he trained Hogan, he trained oh, Paul Orndorff, Scott Hall, Lex Luger. Wow. Cowboy Bob Orton. Jeez. Yeah, he's just not the most relevant to WCW, but like very relevant, relevant to, wrestling. to wrestling. Yeah, wrestling as a whole. Yeah. So then we get the Nitro opening and the opening pyro. We are live from Denver, Colorado tonight. Woo! My dad just came back from Denver and he was super underwhelmed by Denver. I think he was just in a bad area, but he said it was really lame. <laughs> was he also talking about the Denver Broncos when he's saying underwhelmed and pretty lame? No, but good. Let's you could. Ride. We go straight from the opening pyro into a Goldberg entrance. Like, full entrance, walking from the back. Hella pyro, of course. I never really thought about this, but, like, it's really a good thing to give Goldberg the nice long entrance to start. Because in the era of call your friend, tell him what's on, they have time to, you know, get to the TV and That's turn it on. That's true. That, that is true. I mean, with other people, they're just, like, running down the ramp. You don't really have a second. Like, you can hear the music for Goldberg start when you're, like, in the kitchen getting a snack or in the bathroom. And you have a second to run out. And you'll still catch it. Goldberg grabs a mic and addresses the outsiders. He asks them if he looks like the kind of guy to mess around with. Do, no. you, remember, do you remember that PA that ran behind Goldberg when he was coming down the ramp? Yeah, there was a lot of uh, PA action on this show today. <laughs> they just didn't know where to be when. They just kept crossing in front of the camera at random points. It was funny. Goldberg also notes that he does not appreciate the outsiders' comedy. Getting sick of that comedy shit. Which I feel like Kevin Nash is relishing in. Oh, I know. He loves that. Goldberg says he's here tonight to put a stop to their games. And and his part of the promo as a whole, like, it's a bit awkward, but there's enough intensity to where he covers for it, which is kind of just Goldberg promos in general. And I did note, I'm like, you came out, talked all about the Outsiders. You're facing Brett for the world title in three weeks, and you did not seem concerned at all with that. No, not in the slightest. He then says that Nash is next and the Outsiders come out. Hall says they're here to bring the comedy. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) 
I don't think bringing the comedy should be your whole thing. Like, you can have comedic moments, but if you are putting all of your eggs in the funny basket, it's not going to land. Nash says they have five words for Goldberg. And I was like, what the fuck is this going to be? And then it's don't sing it, bring it. Which I had to, like, count on. Yeah, we all Don't sing it, bring it. Got it. That is five. Good job. Good job, Scott. They get in the ring, and then Sid's music hits. He says there's a new baby face in town. Just, like, straight up word for word. I'm like, oh. Cool. We're not even, like, pretending. (laughs) Hello? Sid gets in the ring, so they all brawl. Security tries to break it up and eventually does, but takes him a few attempts. And then Goldberg and Sid hug. It's like, okay, you guys are just buddies. They, like, fully hug. And the thing is, like, I appreciate when men show their emotions, whatever, be close to each other. There is something about two very large, very intense men that are incredibly muscly and sweaty and slick hugging that just grosses me out. It's just, like, it gave me an ick. Like, I don't want to, don't touch me. It's not even like a, it's not even like a homophobic thing. It's like, that can't have felt good. Like, ugh. Tony and Bobby check in. Very red jacket on Bobby. A statement jacket, if you will. What was the statement? I am here. Okay. <laughs> Hello. They also say that we have a triple main event. AKA. Which is not a triple, that, that's not a thing. And even funnier, none of them are the main events. <laughs> Bobby just kind of amuses himself while Tony talks. They also hype up that they're doing Steve Williams versus Jerry Only, Ugh. and there's going to be a mud match. There will be a mud match, which we just kind of assume because it's 1999, it's the Nitro Girls. Like, yeah, I, especially like following be, up after the match. Yeah, with week. all the battles and all the stupid cat fights happening backstage with them, you would assume mud equals hot ladies getting down and dirty. That's what 1999 would lead you to believe. If there was a mud match in WWF, you bet your ass it's going to be women. I really should have seen through this quicker because they go from that to Roddy Piper arriving, as does these two women in a separate car. One of them is a fairly large woman. Her name is Rhonda Singh. She's also known as Bertha Faye in uh, in WWF. Oh. The other woman, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't really no see a lot what of info her name on. Is. No idea. But like, she's a fairly normal-looking woman. They're, and they're making comparison to Stacy Keebler. Like everyone's big in comparison to Stacy Keebler. The legs were not as long though. They were not. They actually did stop at the end of the day. By the way, can I just tell you one of my, my favorite phrases that I forgot about? What? My legs go all the way down to the floor. <laughs> so we stay backstage. The goons. The ta- goons. Uh, I thought they're talking to the boss, but apparently they're talking to Tony Marinara. Is Tony Marinara not the boss? He's not the head boss. He's not okay. the Copa de la Copa, whatever. They- the creme, creme de la Copa, whatever. The Copa Cabana. The Capicola. The Copa Cabana. <laughs> I did laugh at that. They, like, can't remember Disco Inferno's name during he, this. Yeah, which, he got him mixed up with Sting. Which I, I really thought that was going to play more into this. It did not. Yeah. No, these guys are just kind of dumb. They're no, goony. They have their own adventure tonight, which we'll, we'll, uh, we'll go through as we, as we get to it. But let's go to our first match tonight. It is Buff Bagwell and Booker T versus Creative Control with Kurt Hennig for the tag team titles. Woo. And I have to ask, uh, in Shoot and Kayfabe, and Kayfabe Shoot, why are Buff and Booker getting a tag team title match? I really thought you were going to throw a Who's That Pokemon on me. And I'm like, I don't even know what these men were wearing. What? No. Sorry. The two guys who are against the powers that be, why are they being rewarded with a tag team title match? Also, I don't know that they've ever tagged together. I don't think they ever have. Their tagging together did feel really, really random. I mean, you, you never. there might be a random match from like 97 or the something. The only thing that I can think of in kayfabe as to why they have a tag team title match is to shut them up. 
Like, if they want to prove to them that they are going to lose to creative control and the powers that be no matter what. So you can keep whining about getting a match. Here's your match. You lost. You're going to lose and you're going to keep losing. I don't think you need to put the titles on the line for that. I think it just, like, drives home a point. Also just makes the powers that be look even more dumb because, like, what if a fluke happened? Yeah. No, it's not a good angle for them. Like, you're right. What if they did win? But I think that's the only kind of kayfabe reasoning I can give to this. You were talking about Bobby having a uh, statement outfit. Hell yeah. What about Kurt Hennig's outfit? I love the turtleneck look. The turtleneck blazer and blue jeans. It was really, it was I the blue it. jeans that I'm like. <laughs> I think it's a vibe. One I think it's great. One of these things is not like That the is other. a 2023 look right there. You're, you're telling me Kurt Hennig was ahead of his time? I think fashion is cyclical. I don't think he was ahead of his time. I think he was on on par with his time. It just came back. I mean, do you remember the iconic picture of the rock and the turtleneck with the blue jeans? Yeah, but he wasn't wearing a blazer, too. This is one step above that. Come on. It's the same fucking outfit. Match starts. We get a drop kick and a buff taunt. Booker tags in, hits a sidekick, and the heels cheat for the advantage, including including gut wrench suplexing Booker like onto Booker's hip. It just looks sore. Like, yeah. ow. Yeah, it did. Axe kick from Booker, and then a hot tag to Buff. Buff hits a blockbuster on one of Creative Control. It was pretty sloppy looking, uh, but Henning's yeah. on the apron. The other Creative Control comes in, hits Buff with a chair, and they do twin magic to swap, and <laughs> they pin Buff. Creative Control attack Booker, midnight strikes, and she hits drop kicks and clears the ring. Woo! We are uh, spinning our wheels. We sure are. Midnight does have some terrifying thighs, though. Yes. My God. Any thoughts on this as a match? Absolutely zero. I have no thoughts. I could not care less. It's just like creative control is not interesting to me. And the fact that they can do twin magic just because nobody gives a shit to know which one's Pat and which one's Gerald. Well, they are. They are also twins. No, they're not. They're not identical. I thought they really aren't. They're not. No. (laughs) Just trying to zone out when I see them on screen. No one has bothered to differentiate one from the other. They're not twins. I swear to God. I don't think they are. I think they're brothers. They they are brothers. One looks very different from the other. If they're twins, they're like fraternal, I guess. Yeah, they're twin brothers. No, they're not. (laughs) I'm literally looking at this. They're twin brothers. (laughs) Then they have really differential facial features because one has a much more round face than the other. It's a lot more squat. I mean, a little bit. One is shorter than the other. Emily, these men are are identical twins. No, they are not identical. All right, well, damn. They, they are identical. Yeah. I swear to God, there was a shot in this where I'm like, oh, those are very distinctly different men. So we'll get more of all, everyone besides Buff later. Ugh. We go to the room, so. Juventud Guerrero is here. Russo complains to him about having to put Jushin Thunder Liger on the card tonight. What a bummer for you. Yeah. God. Really so awful. Ah, oh, your your product is really suffering because of Jushin Thunder Liger. You literally just booked Man. the Harris Brothers. <laughs> This is a super step down for you. He offers to fix Hoovy's visa problems if he wins. And I'm like, you have that kind of pull? <laughs> like, either A, you're not filing any of the paperwork that you're supposed to as an employer. <laughs> or you have a lot more pull than I was ready for. I don't think Vince Russo has a contact in Homeland Security. That's not, no, that, that's immigration. Oh, is that, okay. Well, still. We then see Liz backstage on the phone with Lex looking like a preacher. He did. He, the, the gray he's suit. wearing a suit. He doesn't look like a preacher. I don't know. Something about it. He delivers breach of contract paperwork to Liz. And in the moment I was worried about, Liz is like, please, I'll do anything. And I'm like, oh. I know this is episode anything? 69, but come on. <laughs> I was really ready for Lex to turn around and be like, anything? And then for her to like, get on her knees or something. Like, I was ready for that. I'm glad she didn't, but I was ready for it. Lex says he has to think on that. 
Piper waits in an office and is losing his mind, very Roddy Piper style. Very Roddy Piper. Rhonda Singh chats with her friend about what to wear. Why? I, this, this segment went on for too long and there were too many iterations of it. Well, I could say the same for the next segment. Uh, Symphony, the maestro's partner. who Oh, I forgot I s- about the Symphony payoff. Oh, my God. I swear, <laughs> this is a different woman from Ryan Shamrock last week. This woman looks so. different. Because when you said it was Ryan Shamrock, I'm like, I've never seen this person before. I forgot about this whole storyline. Oh, my God. But she uh, she gets flowers delivered from the maestro. And I'm like, okay. No, no follow-up on that for a little while. I love that the maestro's girlfriend's name is Symphony. It's just so appropriate. It's also the best kind of Hershey bar. Okay, anyway. I'm not wrong. Backstage, Mike Tanay interviews Slappy. Listen, Slapnut. Jared is in a triple threat number one contenders match tonight. It's number one contender for after Starcade, so we're not adding or changing the match to Starcade. I keep forgetting that Starcade's coming up so soon. I know. So do the wrestlers, I think. Would you believe it? Jared says he's the chosen one. Does he have stroke? I don't think he did. He mention stroke in this one. I don't one? know that he did. He might wow, have. he must have lost the stroke. Basically, he doesn't care about Dustin Rhodes. Listen, slap nuts. I'm Mike, the chosen one. Mike today sasses him, so Jarrett just hits him over the head with with the guitar. Good for him. And then we just leave Mike today dead in the floor. He's fucking dead. We never come back to him, do we? No. No. Oh, because this is where my boy comes in. Ugh. This is a great episode, actually. I'm remembering different parts, but this is a top tier episode. We get Brian Nobbs <laughs> coming out, and he grabs a mic. He says he's sick to his stomach about how he lost to a woman Ugh. at Mayhem. Talking about Norman Smiley. I did have to think about that one for a second because I'm like, did you like fight Asia or Midnight? Did I forget this? Was it on Thunder? <laughs> Was it, when, when did you fight a woman? He says it's far from over and challenges Norman right now. Norman's watching a monitor in the back. And I couldn't tell if he cowers from that or the fact that he sees Finley heading heading towards the ring. It seemed like it was kind of... I could not tell what he I was I couldn't tell if from. he was hiding from Finley or he managed to accidentally hide from Finley. I think it was the latter. But Finley's headed towards the ring, once again, looking like a lad. A proper lad. In a spot I kind of liked, he, he has two kendo sticks. He throws one into knobs and is like, all right. Like, let's go. You might as well like take taking the glove off. Slap. Time for a duel. So they're ready to go, and then Finley just drops his stick, catches Nobbs's, and then just works him over. Oh, it was great. It made Finley look like a. I don't know if it made him look, look smart or like a badass or both, both, but it made him look cool. It made him look powerful. And then, oh god, as he's hitting him, he smashes Nobbs right in the knob. <laughs> With the kendo stick. It Hard. looked, yeah. I was like, oh my Hit God. Smacking the knob. <laughs> and then he headshots him with the stick. Of course. Finley then grabs scissors and I'm like. I didn't like this. I was having Sid Vicious flashbacks. I just didn't like this. So I have like this. Okay. So what happens is Fit Finley grabs a pair of scissors and cuts the mullet off of Brian Knobs while he's knocked out in the ring. I have like this weird irrational fear of when stuff like this happens they take like a razor or a pair of scissors and they're really roughly chopping people's hair. I'm afraid they're going to cut, like catch skin or cut his ear off. So the whole time I was watching this, I'm like, you got to be more careful, man. Like you're cutting way too close to the skin here. It's an irrational fear of mine, but it's the same thing of like, I have a fear of catching my eyeball on like a, a chain link fence. I don't know. It's weird. What? <laughs> what? I don't know. I have really weird irrational fears. Like, you know, those wire racks in stores that have like, you know, products on them and they're like on the corner. I just have this fear that I'm going to fall into it one day and it's going to catch my eyeball. My eyeball is going to pop out of my head. Where, 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 where were we? 
Um, the mullet being cut off. Yeah. I'm sorry. Finley, Finley finalizes the beat down with a final stick shot. It, <laughs> I'm sorry. I really derailed it, didn't I? It did seem like this is them like writing Brian Knobs off. Just like, nope. <laughs> like, leave. Finley did say something along the lines of like, if he wants to be a soldier, he'll look like a soldier. Like, yeah. in... Like, he's giving him a, a marine cut. But also, fucking, the balls on Finley giving anybody else a haircut. Finley doesn't have a stupid mullet. He has a shit haircut. He doesn't have a stupid mullet. Ugh, let's go backstage. The goons approach Mean oh, Gene. Oh, my God. So, they, they're like, hey, Gene, like, come hang out with us tonight. Gene's no, like, before we get into Gene, remember last week we were talking about the goons and the one guy just really wanted a cheese sandwich? Yeah. The cheese lore continues this week. Because I don't remember which one of them, but one of them is talking to the other and talks about their dreams of opening a cheese factory. I love these two. And then they run into Gene. So yeah, they tell us Gene, like, hey, come hang out with us tonight. And Gene's like, I don't think so. Mike today has been like, you know, taking out to the hospital. I I'm the only work. one that can do the backstage <laughs> segment. Also, I got the vibe of just, I don't really feel like hanging out with you guys. <laughs> and then they're like, well, you know, Gene, we're going to hit up a finest gentleman's club and get some, get some good Italian food. And Gene's like, Oh, I mean, I, I could go. <laughs> Gene heard strip club and was like, I'm there. I mean. Fucking legend. <laughs> I mean, pasta? Don't tell me it's a good time. Yeah. Like, if you tell me that there's pasta wherever we're going, I'll be there. There have been many sad days where I just give Emily some pasta and she's like, this is what I needed. Thank you. Yes. There has been no mood that hasn't been elevated by a bowl of mac and cheese or penne vodka or carbonara. Like, that immediately just moods up. We then go to the room, so Russo calls creative control an, an embarrassment for getting worked over by midnight. Hennig brags a little too much, like, oh, that never would have happened to me. So Russo's like, yeah, okay, cool. You can face her tonight. <laughs> Backstage, Ron is singing the friend, or almost ready. Piper's getting impatient. And then we go to commercial, come back, no entrances. Juventud Guerrera and Jushin Thunder Liger are in the ring for their for their match. Like, this could have been a really cool match. Like, two cruiserweights that are really good at what they do. This could have been awesome. Yeah, so I was I, excited. And it's for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. What does IWGP stand for? International Wrestling Grand Prix. Oh. I think it's a great name, though. That is a great name. A Grand Prix of Wrestling. Yeah, it's, it's associated with uh, New Japan. That makes sense. And so the match starts, and almost immediately, fucking Buzzkill comes out. Which... So we were both wrong. Yeah, I mean, I think I was hoping, but... I really did not ever expect to see Buzzkill ever again. You said he'd be on Thunder. No, he's back. He's back on Nitro. And for some reason, this match is now all about him. Of course it is, because why would we ever focus on a good match happening in the ring? Good Lucha Libre action, including a wheelbarrow bulldog from Hoovy. Hoovy hits a Frankensteiner and then a top rope springboard dive onto the floor. Buzzkill just feels like he's trying to ruin this match. Yeah, I think he is. I think he was told by Russo to just like make the match all about me. Or all about him, I suppose. Liger hits a frog splash, then a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker. Hoovy fights out of a Mexican surfboard stretch, but you can tell the damage was done. Quick belly-to-belly to Hoovy. They trade pin attempts, including a bridge. And I don't know what... I, I think now I'm just like, I keep waiting for them to fail. And I'm like, oh, good. No, yeah. the bridges are always good. Hoovy walks up the ropes for a springboard leg drop. Liger hits a rough German suplex to Hoovy. Mm-hmm. Then Buzzkill intervenes. It's like, these because guys got to stop fighting. They got to work together, man. I fucking hate this guy. Liger gets distracted, as does the ref. Wait, was that his whole thing? These two have to stop fighting? It was something like that. It's a wrestling match. Yeah. What? 
So Liger and the ref are distracted. Hoovy pulls out a bottle of tequila, smashes it over Liger, which splashes everywhere, including on the ref. And Hoovy gets the pin. I was um, so new champion. Not a lot of pop, pop and circumstance no, to that. No, zero pop and Would you believe um, Jushin Thunder Liger and New Japan were not happy with how this went down? Not surprised at all. I did write, damn it, Buzzkill. Yeah. He's living up to his name. He is being a Buzzkill. He really is, because this very easily could have been and may still be match of the night, but he ruined it. Yeah, it was, just, it was difficult to focus on. And considering this is meant to be a prestigious title. It didn't feel like it. Yeah. No. Honestly, I think... It's kind of comparable to when Taz was the ECW champion for like that one or two weeks in mm-hmm. WWF and they just like jobbed him out. It's yeah. like, oh, in the words of Vince McMahon, you know, I don't think that really speaks very highly of me trying to help that organization. You're correct. <laughs> so let's let's go backstage to your boy. Oh, my boy. My son. My boy. Chavo Guerrero is now the interviewer for the rest of the night. He's also still doing his selling gimmick. Yeah, like, he's still being, you know, the scummy salesman, you know, whatever. That's fine. But taking over the, the taking over the backstage interviewing, the first thing he says before he starts the interview is he says, I have one thing to sell you, and that's excitement. And right from there, I was like, oh, you are my guy. <laughs> this is a perfect job for you. He, he also, is so good on the mic. He does so well. I'm going to gush about him the whole night. He also tries to sell the crowd fine china. I mean, yeah, he still has a job to do. He's here to interview Steve Williams, Oklahoma Talks, with the facial paralysis. Steve Williams eats barbecue sauce and says the match will be a slobber knocker. Of course. Anyway. Elsewhere, Symphony receives chocolates from the maestro. (laughs) Elsewhere, elsewhere backstage, Sid is just a little too hyped up. He's like having a fit. Elsewhere, the goons and Gene are at the club. There's a lot of elsewhere happening. Yeah. It doesn't really feel, feel like a strip club. It wasn't, it wasn't. It's, I don't know what the difference between a strip club and a gentleman's club is. It's the same thing. Is it's it just, it's just a different name. Okay. Gentleman's club makes it feel like a little bit classier. Welcome to marketing. <laughs> but I, I, you know, the only reason I know is I, I, I go for the buffet. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And you read Playboy for the articles, right? I, I would never. I, I read Hustler for the, art, for the articles. <laughs> and you know there are articles in Hustler. I have no idea. I've never opened either of those magazines. Chavo then interviews the Outsiders. Chavo notes that Hall is defending the U.S. title. And then Hall and Nash have a little chat about the TV title. Oh, man. They chat about it. Nash tells Hall to give it to him. and they Well, play- they chat about it in the sense of like, I don't even know why I have this. I don't defend it. Like, there's no real reason for me to have it. So Nash is like, okay, so give it to me. And then they like. Fake playing basketball. Chavo then... does note that uh, Chavo does fake commentary and notes that Nash is number sixty nine. <laughs> nice. And Kevin Nash throws it in the trash. He Jimmy chucks it in the bin. Yep. And that's the end of that, right? Yeah, totally. Actually, in you know the the arena where the wrestling show is, the Revolution come out with a massive American flag. Douglas says that Operation Roadkill was a huge success, and was that it? the. That the filthy animals are no more. I mean, I mean, I, yeah, I'd say so, but they're not th- no more. They're just not here this week. Well, I mean, they they kind of talk about how, like, yeah, Ray, I mean, Ray's gone. Eddie and Kidman are arguing. They in kayfabe injured Conan's arm. Like, filthy animals are done. They're not done. They're just down. They are stepping on the American flag the entire time they're doing this. I don't understand why they're so anti-America. They're yeah. all fucking American. Well, well, Dean explains this. 
they're mad that the crowd cheered a Canadian. And I'm like, they were in Canada when, when Brett won the title. They're mad that they cheered a Canadian. So they're like, you know what? Fuck America. Why not say fuck Canada? Tonight, they're leaving America and they're now a sovereign nation. And they all get cool new names. Because <laughs> that's what happens when you become a sovereign citizen. You get a new name. Dean is now the Python. Of course. Shane Douglas is the Rattler. Of course. Asia is the, is the Boa. And um, Perry Saturn interrupts to give himself his own name. I'm the Trouser. Get it? Trouser Snake. It's episode 69, baby. Nice. <laughs> Hacksaw Jim Duggan then comes out and immediately starts a USA chant. Rah, rah, America. <laughs> Wait, we have to talk about his two by four. Yes. Because <laughs> well, he goes to fight the revolution with his, you know, trademark two by four. And he goes to hit Asia, but Dean stops him, and they all beat down Duggan. And this is where we notice the 2x4 is, like, curving. It's curved to, like, a 45-degree angle at this point. Yeah. And it's not splintering like wood does. It's just bent. (laughs) At this point, I'm like, is this thing... This is a cardboard 2x4. They pose over Duggan, and then Benoit makes save, grabs the 2x4. I'm like, guys, just stop grabbing it. Stop grabbing it. Stop bringing attention to it. It's very clearly cardboard. Oh, it's so sad. Yeah. Or maybe styrofoam. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I mean, I appreci- Not wood. I appreciated that, you know, he wasn't going around smacking everybody with the full wood, but find, sure. find something better. Find something that's not going to bend. Get plastic. It's basically the, the flip side of, like, during Money in the Bank matches, WWE would sometimes, like, have them, like, break the ladders and they'll have them made out of wood. Oh, yeah. And, and so what, splinter. Well, and so when they do it, you, like, see the wood, like, coming out of the ladder, and it's like, that metal frame. No. No, it's very much not metal. Then see Sid heading towards the ring, as are the outsiders. There's a lot of backstage movement at this time. Vince Russo asks for Roddy Piper. Chavo tries to sell more stuff and interviews Jerry Flynn. Jerry Flynn. He has a new type of match called The Block. Yeah, what the fuck is that? It's just brawls in that, like, boiler room area. Okay. I, I figured it was going to... It's like... It's knockoff MMA. Honestly, it's discount fucking Raw Underground. Oh, really? I don't even oh. know if, if you, how much you know anything about that. I know of it. I just don't know anything else about it. All it's missing is, is shitty Shane McMahon commentary. <laughs> oh, Shane. You ready for him to return to the Rumble this year again? I would love for him to return at this point. They should have him... The McMahons co- are in such shambles with WWE in 2023. I would love to see Shane return. They should have Shane return and have him break Santino's record somehow or like tie up the one second oh, elimination. God. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> just like, this is your punishment for last year. <laughs> On top of, you know, getting fired and excommunicated. And- yeah, I mean, there's a lot more that went into that. So, yeah, Flynn has like an open challenge for anybody to come fight him. We then see Kurt Hennig going to get Piper and... Piper's like, no, I'm going to go take a Vince Russo instead. Talking about taking <laughs> a dump. I'm going to go take a dump. It's funny. We then get, it's like our second or third match of the night. There's just so many backstage segments and non-matches that it's really hard to tell. It is Scott Hall with Kevin Nash versus Sid Vicious. Hall attacks Sid getting in the ring, but almost immediately Sid hits a clothesline as Nash gets on commentary. Nash calls the TV title a piece of garbage. He put it in the garbage, so it is garbage. Sid hits running kicks, but Hall pokes him in the eyes. And then Hall hits his, like, fallaway slam with, like, way too much ease. Like, mm. it was weird because they put over Sid as being this, like, massive guy, like, hard to yeah. lift. Hall just does he it. does it. Not a big deal. And the one thing, if they were like, look at the power of Scott Hall, it's like, nope. Just, nope, there's the slam. Yep. You did it. 
Hall goes for the outsider's edge, but Sid slips out and Sid goes for a choke slam. Then Charles Robinson just gets backhanded by <laughs> Scott Hall. Sid hits the choke slam and then hits a power bomb on Scott Hall. Kevin Nash comes in and goes for like an elbow drop onto Sid making the pin because it worked the other week. Yeah. Sid dodges it and then big boots Nash. Sid goes for a power bomb on Nash, but Jeff Jarrett comes in, hits Sid with a guitar, and then lays Hall over Sid for the pin. Did you get all that? That was a lot. Goldberg runs out. Of course he does. <laughs> he trips hitting a spear on Jeff Jarrett, but gets enough of it to where it wasn't, you know. It was still a powerful enough spear that, like, you can. He still it. hit him, like, you know, kind of waist area. Yeah. It wasn't like he speared he him in the knees. It. And then hits the jackhammer on Jarrett, and yeah, that was. Overbooked. That was something. There's the WCW we know. And then Goldberg and Sid hug like lovers. That was my note. They like have a very intense hug. What's happening? I don't know. They're like, they they became very close in the last like two weeks. I think it's just them going, Sid is a face. Sid's a face. Don't forget it. (laughs) Almost doing it to the level where I'm like, are you going to turn Sid heel back next week? (laughs) Maybe. So yeah, that's the first of our three main events down. We then get Creative Control and Kurt Henning escorting Piper to Russo. Steve Williams in Oklahoma head to the ring. At the club, Gene and the goons are just having a blast. They're living it up. Gene has his tie around his head. He's surrounded by women. He's having a great time. Could not care less that he literally walked out of work. Listen, plenty of people have walked out of WCW and still kept their job. That's true. And probably done exactly what he's doing. Bailing on a show to go like be with hot women. Yeah. Yeah. And at least Gene has the courtesy of still being on TV. That's true. He didn't no-show the entire event. <laughs> so Piper reports to the room, so he's going to ref the mud match, and he's not thrilled. It's a lot okay. of work to get to that point. Yeah, that was it. Oh, God. In the our, stupidest segment. In our Patrick Stewart segment of the night. <clears throat> in catering, Charmel and one of the other Nitro girls. I don't know which one. I think she's Tigress? I don't think that's Tigress. I don't know. They start a food fight. This isn't funny or sexy. Okay, so there's something that I need to rant about in here. When you're getting into a cat fight with someone and the only thing you can say to the other person is, I know you did not just say that. That's not a fucking insult. That's not a way to start a fight. Like, they say that about six times in this this two-minute segment. I know you did not just say that about my mom. I know you did not just touch my shirt. I know you did not just say it. What are you saying? You're not saying anything beneficial or helpful to any kind of point in your argument for this fight. Say something worth saying. The funny part that I didn't even think about until now is Charmel's in this segment and Booker T goes on to have the catchphrase, tell me you did not just say that. Yes, and I find that so infuriating too. I find it so annoying. What do you think is going to happen? They're like, oh yeah, I didn't say that. Do you want to be gaslit? Is that the goal? (laughs) So yeah, they just smear food on each other's tops. Like, and the other one just kind of lets them do it. They don't try for the dodge at all. (laughs) No, not at all. Oh, God. So it's, security it's breaks it up as... I didn't even recognize who it was at the time. No, I called her but, a random passerby. Yeah, Rhonda, Rhonda Singh's friend just randomly chokes on some food. Hoovy tries to Heimlich her, but it just kind of turns into humping. <laughs> like, the crowd pops, and Which I'm like... This woman's dying. Like, commentary has to note, like, oh, that was one of the one of the mud wrestling women. Yeah, they have to tell us. So Hoovy does the Heimlich, and it doesn't really work, so he has to call an ambulance while this woman is choking... And that's the end of the segment. What the fuck was that segment? I don't know. The Nitro girls need to either shit or get out the pot. I miss their dances. I, I do what I don't. 
I'm really mad that they chose now to rebrand the Nitro Girls after we did this whole fucking competition to find a new dancer. Well, I'd rather have a Nitro Girls segment than, than, than our next match. It is Jerry Only versus Dr. Death in a steel cage match. This match is it's awful. Like historically bad. And it's not because of Jerry Only. <laughs> like, just... There's so much miscommunication and DC Williams is just like... Like flinching. Lots of half steps. Yeah, just like, what do I do? And I'm like, dude, you're the professional one here. Yeah, he should be the one that's leading this match, not yeah. the the misfit. And also, you're meant to be the dominant one. Uh huh. You have more leeway to just bump into the guy and run into him. It, really, it should be Jerry only being like, "Fuck, what do I do?" It's like, yeah. But only actually does show some like good athleticism. A few he really times. does. It, like, it makes him look pretty good. Just keep shitting on Steve Williams. My notes just he looks awful. So Oklahoma's on commentary, if we didn't mention that. The Misfits attack Oklahoma, pour some barbecue sauce on them. Which I, is my best I thing. thought they should have gone further. Oh, they should have gone further. They should have done more. I don't know what more would have been, but they should have done Kill more. Him. Jesus. I was thinking pour some barbecue sauce on the ground and in slide K- him. In kayfabe. In, uh, in my favorite spot of this match, Steve Williams goes to like investigate this. And he like bumps the door open. Which I don't think he's supposed to do because you kind of you kind of see him like grab it like, like no fuck. no keep it closed. <laughs> because then the finish of the match is Williams goes to throw Jerry only into the corner. Jerry only hits the door and like falls out. It was meant to be like a oh damn he's so powerful. He's too powerful. Like because Steve Williams loses this match yeah. because he escaped the cage. So I'm like, did you just fuck up the spot? Yes, he absolutely fucked up the spot. That <laughs> was so bad. This was kind of hilariously awful. It was. The worst match I've seen in a very long time. Yeah. Especially considering one of these men like is a wrestler. It wasn't bad in the way that the finger poke was bad. This was bad in that it should have been better. It should have been passable. It should have been passable. Like, it, this was... This didn't even know what it wanted to be. And it... Like, so many things were messed up in this. It was just hard to watch. Plus, you had, like, the, you know, the, the, the 1.5 times modifier of Oklahoma on commentary. So exactly. it's even worse. Yeah. Ugh, I, I think I'm understanding why, why Dr. Death does not stick around long. Yeah, I think so. I did say last week that I was wondering why he didn't get in the ring. Here we are. I mean, in reality, we should not be surprised. Anytime they've done the beatdowns of, of like, see what he was beating down, the, like, the entire Misfits, yeah. it was awkward and bad. And You're I'm right. like, yeah, I guess we shouldn't be surprised. I guess we shouldn't, but yet here we are, surprised. Let's go backstage to the room. So, Hoobie says that he saved a woman, but the match is off. I don't. Really get why? I've, then, I, I've never near choked like that, but I don't... I, like, yeah, I have no idea. I'm, it might like mess up your esophagus or something. But did you catch Russo's line after Hoovy tells him that he's a hero? Yes, but I'll let you uh, deliver it. Russo gives him shit for kissing a wildebeest. Because he gave the woman CPR. Yeah. Listen, this woman is not that large. She is muscular she looks like she actually is an athlete she's she has a normal body frame incredibly normal and admittedly it it doesn't help that she is like has been next to Rhonda Singh all night who is admittedly a large woman yes she is a bigger woman but she's not like morbidly obese she's just big but my point being you have you know the smaller one out of the two and it's like oh my god she's a wildebeest oh my god shut the fuck up misogynist so Lex Luger comes in. He has an idea. It's clearly going to be Liz. I don't know why we have to draw that out. Yeah. I think it's Chavo interviewing Bret Hart. 
Brett puts over Mang, but says that he's the best there is, was, and ever will be. Of course. And then I did get a laugh out of this. I, I didn't love Chavez as much as you did, but he then like like tries to sell the audience on hair products. Like, Bret Hart uses this. Like, Don't you love his, his luscious locks? He brings it into the conversation that he's having. He's an excellent salesman and an excellent interviewer. Let's go to Bret Hart versus Meng for the WWE title. AKA another main event. Also, not the last one on the show. And Bret Hart's defended the, the, the title twice. Mm-hmm. Neither one has been in the main event. There are three main events in the show. You couldn't put this as one of the three slash four because one of the three is not the main event. No, this is one of them. Is this one of them? Yeah. I was saying it isn't the actual main event. None of them are the actual main event. Brett takes the fight to Meng, but it has little effect and Meng beats down Brett. Meng hits a back chop to Brett's face. I'm like, oh, God. Works him over as the crowd actually get behind Brett. They have not killed killed his, like, you know, aura yet. Thank God. Meng hits a pile driver, then a shoulder breaker, and just keeps beating down Brett. Brett hits a headbutt to Meng's stomach, Russian leg sweep, and a Brett's rope elbow. The crowd starts to boo, and I'm like, oh, no. Outsiders come out. Because we can't just have a clean match. They distract Brett and take out the ref. Meng does not like the interference and attacks Hall with, with a tongue and death Good. grip. I respect that. Get the fuck out of my match. I mean, that's kind of been Meng's thing. He's Good. Like, he did it to um, Lex the other day, yeah. Nash hits like 12 kendo stick shots to Meng to finally put him down. Jeez. Nash hits a jackknife powerbomb to Meng. Hall goes to hit Bret Hart with the kendo stick, but Chris Benoit runs down, stops Hall, and brawls with the outsiders up the ramp. In the ring, Hart locks in the sharpshooter, but Meng is unconscious, so it's just like, matches over. At the end of this, Bret even like shrugs to the audience, like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, for the, for the second week in a row, Luigi wins while doing nothing. <laughs> Luigi. I enjoyed the first half of this match. It wasn't anything to write home about. but No, it's a Bret Hart match. I'm sorry. I keep saying it, but like Bret Hart matches are so standard in my book. Or like, yeah, he's a good wrestler. Got it. He's technical. He's good at what he does. Okay. When you put him up with all these other people that have like such fanfare and faff that go along with their their gimmicks, it's like hard to get excited about. Bret Hart. I think he fits better in the WWF where there are more people like him. So you can kind of like focus on the technical aspects and you can be like, yeah, he's really good at this specific thing. But here it's all show and he doesn't really have the show. It is worth noting that like, I feel like a lot of Bret Hart in the past couple weeks, he's won matches basically because of the outsider's interference. I know. Like it's really backfiring for them. Yeah, well, that's true. Backstage, Symphony gets a stuffed bear from the maestro. I just wrote a bear in my brain to be like, what? There was a bear in this show? <laughs> a bear. Luger is here to see Russo. He's going to deliver the idea. He still hasn't yet, by the way. Chavo is here. Um, Chavo is still selling stuff, but is here to interview Tigress. <laughs> Spice is here and showing off. That um, she has ripped. So Tigress Tiger- is like looking for a costume. Spice throws the costume at Tigress and then Tigress yells, you ripped my costume, you bitch. I feel like you're putting too, they, too much emotion into that. Well, <laughs> it's like, yeah. I'm putting too much volume, that's for sure. Because everything that I just said was like context clues. They fight and Spice throws her in the shower, turns the water on and laughs. And Chavo says that he's selling towels. He just like pops into frame, just like gets the attention of Spice like, by the way, I'm selling towels. You're so fucking good at your job, man. Chavo went into the women's bathroom while they were showering. Cancel that, man. Go away. 
Hey, guess what, Nick? It's uh, porn time. Yeah, this here's our episode 69 moment of the night. It's porn time, baby. Fucking somewhere. I don't even know where. Evan Courageous and Medusa are about to make a goddamn baby. <laughs> so, yeah, they're laying somewhere about to do stuff. And Medusa's like, hey, you should give me a cruise by title shot at, Star- at Starcade. And he's like, yeah, cool, whatever. Just like. <laughs> Just please, let's have sex. Yeah. So, I guess that's what this has all been about. Is she using him? That's the vibe I got. Oh, gross. I mean, she's been using her sexuality to help him win matches. This might just be that's a, a elaborate ploy. That's kind of what I Maybe. took out of it. Maybe, you might be right. Which I think that's only our second match booked for Starcade. You know what? It's a surprise every time we get to a pay-per-view of like what's booked. Which I'm realizing there's two matches booked and both of them are the champion just going, yeah, I'll face this person at Starcade. Yeah, there's no build. In the room, so Luger offers Liz for the mud match. Elsewhere, Chavo is here to interview Sting, but Liz just comes over to have a moan. She begs Sting for help, and Sting blows her off. Like, if I was Sting, I'd be so fucking annoyed with this woman. Like, just please go away. That's pretty much what he's doing. He's like, I got nothing. I I don't want to help you. Go away. We go from that to a triple threat match for the number one contendership for after Starcade. Okay. (laughs) This is a thing that WWE would do occasionally, and... Admittedly, this feels actually quicker than other times cause, because in 97, Scott Hall won World War Three, And when Kevin Nash won it last year, it was like, cool, you're going to face Goldberg for the, for the title at, at Starcade. Yeah. When Hall won it, it was, okay, the, you won this match in November. In February, you're going to get a title shot. Oh, God. They had things they wanted to do in between then. So they're like, oh, my, I don't know what we're going to do with World War Three. So I'm guessing like NWO shit. Yeah. yeah. That was Sting and Hogan and then Sting and Hogan again. And So this match is between Chris Benoit, Sting, and Jeff Jarrett. They are really trying to push Jeff Jarrett. Like, I know it's obvious and it's been obvious, but the, today in this match, it was like, wow, you are really trying to put this guy over. Well, he has stroke. And, he, and he's the chosen one, Emily. Anyway... I did I did it right. How many goddamn guitars does Jeff Jarrett have? He comes out with a fucking wheelbarrow of them later. So this is where me and Emily stopped watching together and we ended up watching it separate. I have the VHS kind of rips of, I actually think, the rest of the Nitros. I didn't realize until now that Stink's theme is dubbed on Peacock. Yeah, you because pointed it, out to me this morning. Because it's a Metallica song. And it's like, oh, okay. It's a good Metallica song. Yeah, I, admittedly... Because we don't hear it enough, I'm like, does he have a Jimmy Hart knockoff of the Metallica song, or does he have actually have the Metallica song? It feels like it's the Metallica song. We'll never hear it. No, we won't. Outside of the rips. I also heard he's back in his normal gear. He was just in like a t-shirt for a while, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, he was wearing the leather, pan, leather pants and the tank top. Uh, yeah, now he's just in like the singlet again. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really notice the switch, so... I mean, I stand by. He might have lost his gear for that week because he very well may have. Because it was for mayhem, and then it was the night after mayhem. So he probably lost a suitcase or something. Yeah, I think the report of like, oh, he was self conscious. I think that no. was just wrong. Self conscious? No. He also doesn't look. He's not in bad shape. I don't know what the hell that was. Benoit hits a snap suplex on Jarrett when the match starts, and Sting breaks up the pin. Sting tries for a pin, but Benoit breaks that up. Benoit tries for an inside cradle, but Sting kicks out immediately and, and is annoyed. It's like, no, what the fuck? We talked about this. We're going to beat up on Jeff Jarrett. I thought we were a team, brother. I was happy to see this get done early because that's always yeah. kind of thing in Triple Threat. Like, oh, we, I yeah. thought we were together. Jarrett hits a diving cross body, and it feels like they're rushing this match. I didn't get that. I actually enjoyed the pace of it. 
Benoit and Sting mostly focus on Jarrett until Jarrett pulls Benoit in the way of a Stinger splash. Jarrett goes for a stroke, but Benoit counters it into the crossface in a spot I really liked. Yeah, that was cool. But Sting breaks that up. Liz runs down to the apron and it distracts, Sting. it distracts Sting. Oh my god, why are you here? Luger hits Sting with a guitar and then Jarrett hits Benoit with a guitar. I'm like, what? He goes to pin Benoit, but the ref is occupied with Liz. Leave! Dustin Rhodes runs in oh with, with the ring bell. I didn't even see him grab it. Yeah, he just appeared with it. Hits Jarrett, pulls Benoit on top of him for the pin. Benoit is now the number one contender, but we can't focus on that. Jesus Christ. I'm so annoyed with Liz. Please <sighs> fucking leave. Thoughts on this match? It wasn't bad until it was. <laughs> Once again... Please give these guys more time and stop oh God, overbooking yes. the finish. Please. I don't know why Seven was here. I know, I mean, I know why Seven was here story-wise, but like, I don't know why he was here. He, he, did, he was not necessary. Either he wasn't necessary or Liz and Lex were necessary. You don't Liz need, is never necessary. Like We don't need to do d- triple interference. No. It feels like um, Nitro of a year ago where the main event would just be like everyone on the fucking roster come out and interfere. And then we, oh, we got to cut out. Uh, Good night. So moving on, we talked earlier about without the Harris brothers were twins. Yes. At the club, two women come up to the goons. Yes. Were these women twins? I don't know. <laughs> or were they just attractive blondes and they all look the same? <laughs> wow. Really generalizing the looks of women. You're telling me that all white blonde women look the same? All hot ones do. Do I look like them? Yeah. Wow. Thank <laughs> you. And that's how you do that, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> So, basically, the women are like, come bang us. Basically. And they have to like, go check in with Gene. Like, is it okay if we leave you here? And he's fine. Yeah, Gene's has like 12 women around him. He's fine. G- Gene's like, come back in the fucking 80s. Yeah. <laughs> Gene pulls. I think that's the last we see of Gene tonight. So I, I don't, We don't know what happens to him. Then you get Kevin Nash heading towards the ring. Starcade ad. And then we follow, we get the um, culmination of all of the symphony stuff. Oh my god. She goes to find the maestro, but it's actually serial killer David Flair waiting in a wig. How long was he sitting there? I don't know, but then he opens up the piano and fucking maestro is in there just dead. <laughs> David is a serial killer. He's a murderer. I lost my fucking shit when that happened. When he turned around, it was David. I was like, what the I don't appreciate all this, all this David Flair praise we're throwing around. Oh my god, it was amazing. He has really found his niche in wrestling, and I want to applaud him for that, because he's so good at this character. I was, I lost my mind. When he opened the piano, I was, like, screaming. I was really happy that Nick was not home when I was watching it, because I was literally screaming. I'd say I need to show you more Dexter Loomis stuff, but I think you're only getting a real pop out of this, because it's David Flair. Because I've seen his whole, his whole trajectory. Oh my god, that was the most amazing reveal i've ever seen oh it was so chef's kiss i mean i can't i can't wait for you to turn on this when they eventually do the maestro versus david flair at starcade oh i'm sure they will i'm sure they. i just thought of that i'm like oh the maestro's dead how could he fight that's gonna be um a match (laughs) oh my god it was just so fucking good let's go to what is our previous year's starcade's main event but it's not the main event of this show is it one of the three yeah it is Kevin Nash versus Goldberg. We did not know that the entirety of the trip, the like triple main events, they said we're all no DQ, and yet they constantly felt the need to bump the ref. That's 
That's a good point. I don't think I heard the no DQ bit. That's just the thing WWE's been doing recently. It's like, you don't need to bump the ref if it's no DQ. Yeah, no. I did kind of laugh at Kevin Nash when he came out a little bit. Because he's wearing a tank top that has the little NWO logo. He still has the Wolfpack theme. It's like, bro, move on. Yeah, we need to move on. We need to get over the wolf pack and the NWO. Like, it's dead. It's been dead. Let it die. Horace Hogan's sitting there like, oh, maybe. It could be. Take me back. Rehire me, please. Is he still on contract? I think he was one of the guys who's like, you're, you are and you're not. Yeah, that makes sense. Backstage, Hall opens Goldberg's door for his entrance. But Goldberg was ready for it and appears behind Scott Hall. <laughs> Which I did love. I did note, what's the security for? They just let him walk right up. That's a good point. Like, why is there security? Yeah. If Scott Hall could just go to his door and fuck with him, there's no point for there to be security there. No one even tried. Yeah, like, I mean, it's always been an existential question of, are they protecting Goldberg or are they protecting people from Goldberg? The answer's neither because they the two start brawling and they don't do anything. Yeah, and then, there's no reason. To add to it, they brawl away from security. Kevin Nash then comes backstage to brawl with Goldberg. And I'm like, this is why you need the security. Oh, my God. I think at one point, they also, like, brawl past Sid's locker room. And like, it's locked. And I'm like, is it? <laughs> but, yeah. So, Sid then gets out of the room. He helps Goldberg. It's basically two on two. Everyone brawls into the arena. Goldberg and Nash actually get into the ring and the bell rings. And within about four seconds, they're in the corner. Because they love the corner. The corner is their safe space. Hall hits the ref. We don't need that. And then Goldberg with the chair. Sid half makes the save until Bret Hart comes out to actually make the save. I love that Bret Hart comes out and is like, he's like a dad being like, kids, do the fucking match that was assigned. Stop this messing around. Hart hits Nash with a chair. Sid hits a punch. Goldberg hits a spear. Then a jackhammer. Then the pin. Once again, what a clusterfuck. Way too fucking messy. What Why is every match going to have a triple interference finish? Because Vince Russo. I don't yeah. know. Nope. Yeah, like, that is the answer. It was a lot to follow. It's Everything is just like overstimulation. It's overstimulation and nothing happening. Yes. Literally, yes. You know what it is? It's like watching, <laughs> it's like watching that video of giraffes fighting. There's a lot happening, but there's no like finale. <laughs> we talked about that in the podcast. <laughs> no. <laughs> We found, found videos <laughs> on the internet of just two giraffes having a brawl, just whipping their necks at each other. <laughs> and it was one of those like ten hours of was it was this one of those or was that that was just the no? Place? There was enough. There was one that we 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 did not click on because it was like ten <laughs> minutes of giraffes fighting to the death. Oh yeah, we like, did not watch that. Like, oh. But no, this was just a couple of giraffes, like, whacking each other in the neck. And it just, like, it, nothing happened. They were just like, you know, fuck you, fuck you. And that was it. <laughs> like, walked away. It's yeah. Like, okay. It was amazing. But this kind of, like, gave me those kinds of vibes. Like, we're fighting, but nothing's going to come of it. Nothing really happens. Speaking of nothing really happening, Piper's headed towards the arena. Oh, God. Is the eighth time we've seen him tonight? Yes. Chavo interviews the Outsiders. They want Benoit Hart, Sid, and Goldberg in a cage match. Talk about overbooked. Yeah, I, like, I ended up being right, but they didn't really mention that it was going to be, like, two-on-two-on-two. On two. I'm like, are you? do you want a four-on-two handicap match? Uh, yeah. But, I mean, it also basically ends up becoming a handicap match. So. It, it just becomes a brawl. We'll talk about it when we get there. It was a fucking mess of a match. Yeah. So that's our main event. Not one of the three. No. So it wasn't a triple main event. It was just three matches and then a main event. So a regular show. Tony and Bobby. 
Piper comes out to the mud. Creative Control come out to oversee things. Rhonda Singh comes out. Elizabeth gets gets announced, but doesn't care about her contract and like just goes to leave, but doesn't actually leave. Yeah. Rhonda Singh throws Piper in the mud. Piper hits a drop toe hold and like mounts and spanks Rhonda Singh. He then pulls Creative Control in the mud and pins one of them for some reason. And then his music plays. It was just, it was weird. That was certainly five minutes. (laughs) It sure was. That was sure a way to use five minutes. Yep. We're not done with the mud, but. But here we are. We go to. I don't want to say it's not even a hotel room. It looks like somebody's apartment. It does look like their apartment. It's but they don't have an apartment in Denver. Those two. No. Maybe it's one of the ladies' apartments. They they definitely do. The goons are like making the ladies some food. They have an argument about about garlic, which I swear is ripped straight from Goodfellas. Oh really? Yeah. When they're in when they're in prison, they they always they talk about putting too much garlic in the sauce, and this is basically that same argument. Oh well, yeah. Vince Russo used to work in a video store, so... So he would just watch movies. That makes yeah. sense. I, I, I did almost bust out laughing during this. Because did you see how they tested it if, if the pasta was done? Yeah. <laughs> Emily is vindicated. They throw it up against the wall. That's how you test if pasta's done, Nick. This was like one of the beginning arguments of our relationship four years ago. We made spaghetti, and I tested if it was ready by throwing it against the wall of one... I think it was probably at your house. And... He just got so mad at me. Like, he's like, what are you doing? Why would you do that? I'm like, that's how I was raised doing it. That's how you test pasta. And to this day, like, he looks at me every time we make spaghetti, like, don't fucking do it. Like, how are you going to know? I believe in a timer. How are you going to know? What if your stove is broken and you don't know it? So you're eating underdone spaghetti or you have it too hot and you're eating mushy ass spaghetti. You have to know when it's done. So the, the the goons are very excited about the idea of getting laid. Very excited. Oh, my God. Arn Anderson is here. He storms into the room cell, complains to Russo, and Hennig has, like, no sympathy for him. We used, yeah, to, be, no. we used to be buds. Hennig has turned on everybody. Yeah. Hennig is just, like, the perpetual heel to everybody in the, in the backstage. For some reason, we then go to the Skybox. Chavo is here with Sky. Do you get it? <laughs> I don't even know if that was intentional. I really don't. I have no idea, because I forgot that her name was Skye. Skye calls Spice and her friends hussies. Then I caught her name ever so briefly. A little nitro girl named Che comes out, and they brawl. I forgot that this even happened. Was there a reasoning behind their brawling? She called her a hussy. Okay. <laughs> you, would, you wouldn't want to throw hands if someone called you a hussy? No, because I've been called worse. <laughs> then go to Jerry Flynn in the boiler room. The wall is here to fight him. Thank so, God. This so is where proud. it's Nitro Underground. <laughs> All right, and I'm gonna okay, re- I'm gonna read <laughs> gonna read my notes verbatim here. Please. They brawl, and brawl. The crowd turns on this as they brawl. They brawl. They have one spot, which is kicking doors open. Big booze. Berlin hits Flynn with a pipe. The wall gets the pipe and chases Berlin. Flynn starts getting to his feet. On commentary, Bobby Heaton says, I don't get it. <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> and I don't think I can say anything that hasn't been said. There was a lot of grunting. Yeah. There was so much grunting. I don't know why we need to have WCW Fight Club, but here we are. I don't I don't know. Just Bobby Heaton. I, I don't, I get, don't it. get it. Same, Bobby. 
I don't want this to become a regular thing, but this is but two weeks w- of it, so I'm worried. Is this the wall turning on Berlin, though? They've been doing that for like four That's weeks. True. The, the turn just keeps not taking. Then we get Chavo interviewing Roddy Piper. And <laughs> Piper actually shits on Chavo a bit kind here. Of shoot, yeah. I mean, I, I thought it was rightfully it was so, because it was like, I know your family. Like, you have a well-respected family. What the fuck are you doing with this bullshit? Like, stand up for yourself. He, like, names his Chavo's father and grandfather. It's like, they had guts. I fought them. You are nothing. He then just starts brawling with the outsiders who are walking by. But they Piper's still, like, covered by. in mud. They just walk by. They don't even antagonize him. They're just passing by. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he is still covered in mud. And now the outsiders are covered in mud. Elsewhere backstage, Curly Bill is here. No. He convinces Kurt Hennig to like have him accompany him to the ring. Ugh, what a kiss ass little bitch! Because he's he convinces Kurt Hennig to hire him because he's wearing a wrap his crap shirt. He's sucking up. He wasn't even part of the West Texas Rednecks when they went on the I Hate Rap tour. So what a fucking kiss ass move! Go away. He is gonna get a cool new name soon. Cooler than Curly Bill? Is it Vincent? Does he just go back to Vincent? No. Well, I'll do you one better, Shane. Good lord. Oh my god. Really Shane? We're going off we're going for Shane now? That's really lame. Do we get a new woman and call her Stephanie? You acted like Vincent was wasn't lame. I don't know. Vincent happened so early on that it didn't feel like a direct thing. Oh it was. I can recognize that it was, but it's not it didn't feel so blatant. I mean we talked about this before, but admittedly, it is kind of a clap back because he was called Virgil because that's Dusty Rhodes' actual name. But that you have to be so in the know for Virgil. What's this poor man's actual name? I think it's like Mike Jones, <laughs> which I think he will go by it for for a little bit too. Let's go to the room so before we go to our next match. Russo confronts Lex Luger about Miss Elizabeth not showing up. Lex promises that Liz will end up in the mud tonight. Like, you'll get your ratings. Gross. Gross. We're going to get Midnight versus Kurt Hedig, and I swear, this woman gets more ripped every I segment. Oh, God. She's, like, in the back pumping iron. All she eats is spinach and unseasoned chicken. I don't know. Like, all she does is straight protein, and I don't know. She's fucking Popeye. I ate a bowl of nails for breakfast. Without any milk. Oh, right this way. Commentary notes that Piper is now the ref for the main event as well. Hedig just wrestles her, and she kips up. It's like, oh. Hits some very basic offense. Hennig is earning his paycheck for the first half of this match. Just he bumping is. around like a boss for he her. Is. Like he's being safe, making her look good. Hennig then gets out, locks in an abdominal stretch. And in a weird spot, like slaps her in the boob a couple times. Oh, so I did catch this. I think he was trying to do a chop, but forgot that she was a woman. And realized that he was chopping her tit. And had to like readjust and it shook him a little bit. I, I, I couldn't tell what it was. I was like, what the fuck? It looked like he was trying to do it like when they were in the abdominal stretch. I think that he was trying to do a chop to her chest like he would a male wrestler. But she has boobs. So like he couldn't do that. I, I remember seeing that. I'm like, oh, you don't know how to wrestle yeah. a woman, do you? The lights go out. <laughs> Stevie Ray is here. Why is he here? He attacks Hennig and the bell rings. I mean, he got suspended by the powers that be. Yeah, but like he's, it's Stevie Ray. Did anybody even recognize that that even happened? Then, then the lights go out again. Curly Bill attacks Stevie. Good God. Lights go out a third time. Arn Anderson's here. Guys. Arn fights off the What heels. are we doing? What are we even doing anymore? 
Every week we watch this show, my sanity goes down about three notches. Like, did someone just finally find ECW for the first time? Like, oh, there's this cool thing they do. <laughs> yeah, so Arn Anderson fights off the heels and, yeah. What a weird-ass match. Any thoughts on that match, Isaac, being weird? <laughs> I don't think Kurt Hedding needed to make Midnight look as good as he did. I don't think he needed to sell to her so much. I think she can handle. She can stand on her own. I, I don't know. I, I, she needs. She's better than Asia, I think for damn sure. Admittedly, both of them would do well with like a developmental system. It's basically yeah. they're being thrown onto live TV. It's like okay, I know you're like learning, but go continue to learn while you're out there. I mean, yeah, but I don't know. They have the look that drives the girls wild. Backstage, Lex carries Liz to the ring, and then we go to that hotel apartment thing again. It's one of the women's apartments. The goons serve spaghetti and meatballs, but the ladies want some sausage as an appetizer. Can we talk about how that spaghetti and meatballs looked? I have never seen faker-looking food on television in my life. You need to go back and look at those plates, because my god, they're comical. I forget if they actually said they wanted sausage as an appetizer, or if I'm just being lewd. I think you're just being lewd. I don't think they said that. It's also really hard to hear them because, yeah. you know, audio mixing is not this company's forte. So the girls are apparently kinky and they, like, handcuff the goons. The goons no. are so into it. But no, they're not kinky. They they call in Disco Inferno and Lash LaRue. Disco and Lash pour sauce and spaghetti all over the goons. And to me, this was a hill turn. How dare you waste all that sauce? <laughs> so Disco calls uh, Tony Marinara and uh, is like, oh, we, come we, get your boys. He also calls him a mama Luke. Does he? Yeah. I didn't hear it. Again, audio mixing. Could not hear a word Disco was saying. I was like reading his lips. We cut back to the arena from this to um, Colorado Rockies star outfielder Larry Walker. <laughs> I'm like, don't bring him <laughs> like, in. Like, this. why am I here? Yeah. He's like, why did you cut to me after that? And uh, yeah, the Disco manages to live another week. The goons are mad, though. I know there is a certain level of like suspension of disbelief, but. For this plan to work, it would have had to have come together quickly because it's not like Disco and Lash knew that the goons were going to be going to the strip club. That's true. So they had to find two women who lived in the area who were willing to go along with the plan within, you know. Like an hour. Yeah. Jeez. That did have to come together really quickly in kayfabe. All three teams in the main event head, head to the ring and then we cut back to the goons still laying there. I do love them. I really do too. They're really charming. They're just like lovably stupid. Like they just they're just doing their job. They're not trying to hurt anybody. They're just trying to do their yes, job. Yes, they are. They're just they're, their they're, job is hurting people. They're just trying to like make the dad proud. And they just want to open their damn cheese factory, man. Let them live their dreams. We go to the arena. Luger carries Liz to the mud. She slaps Lex. He very gently tosses her in. It still looks sore on her butt. Like she took that entirely I mean, out of yeah. tailbone. Lex throws a bucket of mud at Liz. He then looks like he's going to get in the mud, and then Sting pushes him in. I couldn't really tell what was happening, because he was trying to, like, hype up, like, I'm wearing expensive clothes, so I can't get in the mud. But he was also, like, taking off his jacket, like he was going to get in. I don't know. I don't know. Sting throws Luger's clothes in. Liz slips getting out, and is oh, held to the back like, by Sting. Oh, she, like, fully falls. Oh, yeah. it was funny. So she ended up in the mud, and I guess we're going to get Sting and Luger at the pay-per-view. But I guess Sting is now on Team Liz. I would have just let this play out. Like, if I was Sting, I'd just be like, just go away. I do want to remind you that the last episode was called You Are All Bystanders. And you were <laughs> literally saying Sting should be one. I understand. I have, I have nothing if not a hypocrite, okay? 
Let's go to the main event. It's the Canadians versus the Outsiders versus Team Finisher, a.k.a. Bret Hart and Chris Benoit yep. versus Kevin Nash and Scott Hall versus Goldberg and Sid Vicious. Piper is still a bit muddy from his match earlier. But it's like dried and caked mud at this point. Yeah. Like he didn't even bother trying to go like wash his face or get changed. Why He's... is this in a cage? Because fuck you. That's why. Sid is so fucking hyped to be a babyface. He's so excited. I have not seen this amount of energy out of Sid since, like, we started seeing him. Everyone brawls, but it's just mostly with the outsiders. Like, weird handicap match vibes. They don't seem to have a plan for this match nope. at all. Nope, they don't. <laughs> Push DDP again. He'll have a plan. This was such a clusterfuck mess. It was like a Royal Rumble before somebody comes out to, like, decimate the whole ring. Yeah, where they're just working out, working in the corners. Yeah. You don't know who to watch. You don't know what's happening. Commentary doesn't know what moves to call. Like, you're just watching six men fight. Well, Kevin Nash starts to come back at one point, and the crowd, like, gets behind him because he's outnumbered. It's a cage match, so Piper pretty much lets everything go. I'm like, good. There's no reason to do anything else. This is a mess, and just... Piper being there almost feels like he's in the way. Because he is in the way. Like, this isn't fun. No. Like, seeing the answers get beat down should be more cathartic, but... That weird wide-angle camera shot, that was kind of funky. Jeff Jarrett comes down and brings a cart full of guitars. His wheelbarrow of guitars. He hits Piper and Goldberg with one each, then handcuffs Piper to the cage. A la Jesus. Jarrett then leaves the cage. Somehow, either Hall or Nash is down. Benoit goes to the top of the cage, hits a diving headbutt from, from the, the top, top of the cage it's not worth it Ooh, not for this match piper makes the count sid just watches his team lose i'm like out of respect for the move i have no idea and as if that wasn't enough head trauma immediately after the bell benoit gets hit with a guitar over the head i'm just like please stop goldberg almost breaks the cage throwing jared into it he just kind of exposed how flimsy that cage is, though. Yeah. Hall managed to hit, like, a sneaky outsider's edge on Goldberg in a move I didn't know could be sneaky. <laughs> Nash then powerbombs Sid. The outsiders and Jarrett beat everyone up, besides Brett, who they just taunt. Jarrett taunts the crowd, and the and the heels keep getting the heat. And that's it. Weird Nitro. Very weird. High highs and low lows. Low lows, but I'm like, I don't know if there's anything that's like... I don't have a worse bit. I'll yeah. That. Yeah. No standout lows, just consistent lows. Yeah. Well, Emily, speaking of worst bit, you want to do best bit, worst bit MVP? Sure. Emily, what was your best bit for the night? <laughs> You're going to get mad at me. I think I, I originally had it as Gene Pole and Bitches, because like, that's arguably hilarious. But I think I have to give it to David again. David as the maestro, killing the maestro, and that whole that whole scene. Oh my god, incredible. Just for my own reaction. I think I'm going to go the opposite. I am going to give it to... Gene pulling bitches. Just generally the goons and mean Gene. Like, that was, was a great really adventure. Great. It was a really great start to finish journey that we went on. I was saying, and to confirm, you do not have a worst bit? I don't have a worst bit. I think I am going to give worst bit to that cage match. Which the, one? The, the Steve Williams, Jerry only one. Because as a match, that is abysmal. Oh, and it is I, abysmal. You're correct. And I, I just feel the need to give that... You're correct. The, Make it known that that is yeah. real bad. Like, it might be the worst match we've seen on the podcast. Probably. It's going to be up there. We have to keep that in mind when we go back and do our next round of um, awards. Yeah. And Emily, who is your MVP? Oh, Chavo. 
Obviously Chavo. Oh my God, that guy took a new role and ran with it. He was made to be a backstage interviewer. He did so well. I hope he stays doing that. I hope they fire Mike today because who needs him? Who do you think? Mine might be a little surprising and I was kind of thinking about it while we were talking because I'm like, I didn't have one coming in. I think I'm going to give it to Sid. Why? Because the whole thing is that, you know, they, they weirdly turned him babyface and he is solidifying that. He hasn't... Similar to Chavo, he has a new role, and he is taking that and fucking sprinting with it. I guess, yeah. No one remembers him being a heel a few weeks ago at this point. That's true. He's coming out. He's getting everybody jazzed. He's giving Goldberg hugs. <laughs> fucking some, somewhere, a Big Brother player is very jealous. I think Poor Frank. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Butt the Seats podcast. Next up is just the next Nitro. I think it's uh, December 6th. Nick, how, if you had to, in one word, would you um, describe this recording of the podcast? Would it be nice? It'd be pretty fucking nice. But Emily, if they wanted to follow us in all of, in all of our niceness, <laughs> where could they do that? You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Butts in the Pod. You can follow us on Facebook at Butts and Seeds Podcast. And you can listen to all of our back catalog on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Uh, oh, I forgot about Samsung Podcasts again. Oh, no. All the usual places that aren't SoundCloud. Yeah, we don't. We are not on SoundCloud. Sorry, we're, on a, we're on RSS.com, too. Cool. That's our new host site, by the way. Oh, okay. Once again, if you see us pop up um, somewhere that is not your usual spot and we're not on your usual spot, let us know. But until the next episode, any Emily, any closing thoughts? Not really. It'll be, oh, it'll be episode 70. Oh, we can take a shot next episode. It feels like it's been so long. I know. Well, until then, I'm Nick. I'm Emily. And thanks for listening to the Butts and Seeds podcast. Bye.